Well, as I said, we're uh, finishing up our year of yes. It's been a whole year of, of yes. I was reflecting on some of my yeses, some of my yeses. Have, are you reflecting on your yeses this year? Or are you kind of going right by it? Like you're sort of like, you're done with this deal? Ready to move on? Ready for dysfunction? <laughs> what are some of your yeses? Think about one of your yeses that, we've, that you've talked about. Because we talked about, you know, finding our yes and now stepping into yes. What are one of your yeses? My, my yes is, man, I want to be the husband that my wife needs. I want to be, learn to be an empty nest dad because I'm trying to figure out how to parent adult kids. I want to be an... I want to be exercising. I want to protect my heart. I want to be a man that other men can count on. I want to be further and deeper into God's word. I want to get my kids through college without wrecking my future financially. These are all my yeses. That wasn't a joke. That's one of my, that's one of my yeses. And asking God to meet me and all that, having to step into our yes. And that's the sub-series we're in. It's the faith thing. Where faith is stepping into yes. We had the finding your yes. Now this is faith stepping into your yes. It's sort of taking that step into, okay, here's the things I want. Now I'm going to have to move toward it. And it takes faith to do that. Here's how we've defined faith. Do you remember this? I hope so. I hope this is, um, I hope you've got it written down maybe in your Bible under he- in Hebrews 11. The, the definition of faith is um, trusting in the character of God and stepping out into his promises. It's going to take faith to step out into our yeses, to be the people that we think God has us to be, to put ourselves in the place where God can do the work for us, to take the risk of getting out there and serving and living for God the way that we dream that maybe it's possible. It's going to take faith to do that, and faith is trusting that God is who he is. And then confidence to step out into those promises. So um, this is what faith is, and we've been in Hebrews 11 to talk about the great heroes of the faith, talking about faith stories, because that helps us understand how we live out this faith experience. Here's the one verse from Hebrews 11 following on the uh, sermon that Art preached on Rahab the prostitute. How come Art got Rahab the prostitute? That was cool. Were you here? Did you miss that? You're like, wait, what? Had a sermon on prostitute? Yes, you missed it. It's on the internet. Don't Google prostitute on the internet. (laughs) Just go to MCC's website. (laughs) Hebrews 11.30 is the text for today. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. Okay, just so that you're engaged because it's 9 o'clock service, you awake, here we go. Let's read it together. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. Friends, every dream I've had, every yes I mentioned, everything I've ever set out to do brought me to a place where I encountered the walls. You, you with me on that? And this sermon, this, this, in fact, I've entitled it, By Faith the Walls Fall Down. This sermon is about the reality that if we're going to step out into faith, we're going to find that there are going to be walls, there are going to be obstacles to every one of our yeses, every part of our faith journey. We will find a wall, we will find an obstacle, but by faith, the walls come down eventually. And that's what the story is about. You know what it's talking about, right? It's talking about the story of Jericho. It's talking about the, anybody, who got raised in Sunday school? Who heard this, class, this story in Sunday school? How many people like me are like, I'm not sure I've even ever read that story. Be honest. Like, you're like, that, I, yes, thank you. Like, this is, I didn't, I missed all the Sunday school. No flannel graphs in my history at all. So I'm reading it now for the first time. And I'm like, this is amazing. 
This is the story of the army that went in to take the promised land. They went in to be God's people in God's promised land. And they the first city they encountered was Jericho. And God did an amazing uh, miracle in this. Now, by faith, the walls fall down eventually. I want you, for the balance of my sermon, I want you to be thinking about one of your yeses. Over these last six months or whatever, when we've talked about the year of yes and hope and finding your yes, or, um, yeah, finding your yes and stepping into your yes, I hope you've had some things in your mind like, what are the things that God has called me to do? I want you to put picture one of your yeses. You got it? What's one of the things that you've wanted to be, wanted to do, expecting from God? One of the, the dreams that you have that God's put in your heart. You got one? Yeah. Just one of them. Okay, thank you for saying them out loud. That's so good. Just write a note to your neighbor. I'm talking right now. All right, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so stepping into that yes, you are going to encounter walls. Isn't that not true about the yes that you thought of? There's going to be obstacles. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to come up against walls, walls that are going to feel insurmountable, walls where you look at it and you go, this was such a cool yes, and I dreamt of that yes. I thought of this yes. I got excited about this yes. When I was in worship and I was all warm and fuzzy and I was all excited and everything was good, but now I look at the obstacles facing me and I go, I don't know if that's going to happen. That's what this story is about. That's what these guys encountered. I want you to look with me in Joshua 6. I'm just going to put the first five verses of the story up on the screen and you can look at it. This is what they're experience was. These are God's people who have gone into the promised land now by a miraculous set of circumstances. They have, they have found themselves now in Canaan after 40 years of wandering in the desert. After, I mean, it's just a crazy story. You got to go read it. You got, have you read the Bible? It's unbelievable. It's awesome. So these guys are in the promised land and they come up to this place. And this is what happens in, um, in Joshua chapter 6. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. So the, this is a fortress. Art described it a little bit. Uh, I googled it and spent some time st studying what Jericho probably was. It's super fun. You should go do that. No one went out. No one came in. They're now set up to be under siege and they're going to outlast their attackers, these people in Jericho. Verse 2, then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I've delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. So here come, start to come the instructions. Now, by the way, if you're all lost in the hole, like, whoa, it's warfare, I know. Uh, it's beside the point. But this is how they operated 3,000 years ago. Okay? And this is a one-time experience in the redemptive history of God where he was setting up for himself his people through whom his Messiah would come and salvation would come to the whole world. So, we can go back, we can do some reflection, conversation, take me to coffee, actually really nice lunch. We'll have the conversation about the warfare thing in, in the Old Testament. But, now, but the point is, is that God's going to have his miraculous way for his people here. And we translate that now, knowing Jesus, knowing love, knowing forgiveness, knowing New Testament, knowing the context that we're in now. God's going to show up and do something miraculous for his people and bring victory over the obstacles, over the enemies. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. So you get this? He goes, listen, once a day, you go over, you march around the city. You have all the armed men, you have your army, you go do it. Do it for six days. 
Have the priests, verse 4, carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times. So now you've got priests with horns. You've got the armed people there, but they're not doing any battle. They're walking around the city. Now, I know if you know this story, you're like, I know. It's the story of Jericho. I get it. But think about it for a minute. Go in. Take the land. God's got something for you. Okay, let's go. And they go, and they march around the city. They just march around. Nobody gets to use their arms. They look at the walls. They realize they don't have. They've just come out of the desert. They don't have any ramparts. They don't have any resources to build it. They can't go through the wall. They can't go over the wall. They can't go under the wall. They're just like, what is this about? How are we going to? The city's got a spring inside. They just brought in the harvest. These guys are there. They got one wall that's like uh, 25 feet high. Then they got this berm. Then they got another wall that's like 25 feet high that's 40, 40 feet up another a hill from that. There's just no way these people are going to do this. So they march around and they stare at the wall. And then, then go back to camp. The next day you get up and everybody gets their arms and they take the ark of the Lord, which is the, the symbol of the presence of God, and you go walk around it again for another day. And then you do it another day. You do this for six days and on the seventh day he tells them, I want you to go, uh, he, he says, on the seventh day, verse four, march around the city seven times. So now on the seventh day you go around one time and you're like, oh, we don't go to camp, we go around the second time. And then on the seventh day we go around the third time and then we go around a fourth time. And we just march around the city. That's what these guys are doing. You ever been in a parade? <laughs> verse five, when you hear them sound a long blast from the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout and then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up. Every one straight in, the walls will collapse. This is the miracle that God was going to do. Now, the rest of the text, I want you to go, you can go read it on your own. It's actually just a, like two more repeats of what actually happened. This is the Lord telling Joshua this. And then he, Joshua went to tell his leaders, this is what's going to happen. And then the third repeat was, this is what happened. And I could read it all right now, but it would take time. It would just actually be, you'd go, oh, like it happened exactly as the Lord said it was going to happen. They went and they marched around the city every day for six days. On the seventh day, they marched around it six times. And on the seventh, after the seventh lap, they blew the trumpets, gave a shout, and the walls came down. By faith, the walls fell after they had marched around it for seven days. God showed up and did a miraculous thing. This is about God showing up in power and accomplishing that which we could never do on our own. Do you hear me? You get that story, right? That's obvious, isn't it? Yeah. But we need that reminder today because we've said yes and we've stepped into some things. I want to be this person. I want to have this legacy. I want to make these investments. I want to see this fruit out of my life. We've stepped into some yeses and by faith, we need some walls to fall down so that God can do some stuff that is beyond our power to do it. Does that make anybody's heart beat? Yeah, I'm so sick of what I can bring to the table alone. Faith had to be in play. I want to talk about some ways that faith was in play. First, faith goes the whole distance. Faith goes the whole distance. As we step into our yes, faith is going to have to go the distance. It's going to have to go the whole way. They did seven laps. The funny thing about the seven lap thing is that they had to hang in there for this crazy week, right? They had to be in camp going, all right, adrenaline's pumping, let's do it. The Lord's going to do something. They don't know all of the story. All of the people didn't know the story. The priests may have known the story. The seven priests who had the seven trumpets may have known the story. Some of the leaders may have known the story. All we know from the story is that God told Joshua to, to do this. And he said, and the wall's going to crash down. It, there's no, we don't necessarily know that anybody else knew that. Certainly not, it didn't go all the way down to the, to, to the bottom ranks of the army. But they had to, even if they had heard that, they would have went, oh yeah, I don't really, oh, all right, well, I don't get what you're talking about because that doesn't happen. 
right? So they march around the wall day one. By day one, it just was one day for them to walk around and go, how are we going to... These guys are going to, they're going to stay inside the wall forever. And we don't have any way to go over or under or through. So what are we going to do here? And then we go back to camp. And then day two, they had to go around again. Day one, they already knew it wasn't going to happen. And then there was day two, it started to get silly because all they had was the trumpets and the ark of God and all their arms and they're looking at it. And, you know, once in a while, probably one dude took his little spear and went against a wall that was six feet thick. Go back to camp. Day three... Day four, day five. By day six, don't you think that they were probably already sort of getting the idea? They could not figure out how they were going to muster the strength, the wisdom, the solution to figure this out. It is so interesting that the number six is symbolic for the number of human beings. It's what humans can do. It's like God said symbolically for all time for us to see it. You go around six days because six is going to be the symbol for what you're capable of. If you're going to step out and live this life of crazy faith and legacy and investment and ministry and fruit, if you're going to actually step out into some yeses, you walk around it for six days to recognize what you're going to bring to the table. And we take our little spear and go against a six-foot wall. But on day seven, which is the number of God and the number of God's perspective, they go back out again, and then they walk around it the first time, and they're like, do it again. They walk around it a second time, and they go around how many times? Six first, and at the end of six, they went around a seventh time. And on the seventh lap of the seventh day, God has made his point, you're going to need me for this, aren't you? Amen. Faith goes the whole distance. And some of us have given up on lap two and lap three and lap four because we cannot figure out how this is ever going to work. Faith goes the whole distance. And on the seventh lap of the seventh day, the trumpets blew and they shouted and the power of God eventually fell in an unimaginable, ridiculous and glorious way. Faith says, I'll go the distance even when I can't believe it, even when I don't know what the solution is going to be, even when I can't see the outcome, I'm going to go all seven laps. The, pragma the pragmatist in us sees the obstacle, assesses it all, hello, engineers in the crowd, and go, that's never happening. Plan B, I'm out. Every one of us are pragmatists at our core, humanly. It's interesting. The pessimist in us just grows frustrated and gives up. And the spoiled child in us cannot stand and do not like the fact that God has not come through on lap one. And our self-centeredness can hardly stand that we're not, the genie is not responding to us rubbing the lamp. But faith says, I'm going to go the whole distance. I'm going to wait for that. I'm going to go all seven days. And on the last day, I'm going to go all seven laps. And then I will blow the trumpet. And then I will shout because I'm desperate for God's solution in this. Amen. I had an illustration that I'm not going to belabor because I'm already running a little bit later than I want it to be right now. But I had an illustration of three women that I know who on their laps of longing to be in meaningful relationships, to one day be married, to one day have children. Three different women 
in the course of the laps, one went all seven laps and is now living with a tremendous sense of joy and peace in her place as a single woman and her, the legacy and investments and calling on her life as a single woman could not believe that she's so satisfied because she had this longing, thought it was part of her yes to be in a family. The other woman went all seven laps depending on God and she's getting married in June at 51. Loves that God came through for her. The third woman is one who on lap one and lap two and lap three began to get in serially unhealthy relationships because she couldn't stand that maybe God was not going to answer her cry when and where she wanted it to be answered. And she ended up marrying the wrong guy. That story is in every one of our lives dozens of times. Am I right? Do we have a people of God who will go the distance to see God's power break down the walls and accomplish stuff we could never accomplish? Do you want God's way enough to go all seven laps and all seven times on the seventh day? Or not? Man, this challenges me. As we step into our yes, faith goes the distance, goes the whole way. You can see why, right? Because it's trusting in God's character. It's trusting that God's going to do what's best for us. It's trusting in his love for us. Okay, as we step into our yes, faith goes the distance too. As we step into our yes, faith blows the trumpet. Listen to this. Faith blows the trumpet, announcing dependence on God, on God's powerful presence. Faith blows the trumpet. This is what faith does. Faith blowing trumpets which announce the presence of God. That's what the priests were doing. The seven priests blew the seven trumpets on all the laps. If you read the longer version of the story, he keeps repeating, and the priests kept blowing the trumpets the whole time. Trumpets were an announcement. It was a heralding. It was a, it was a message that God is present that he is coming, that the king is near. There's sort of a now and not yet to it as well. That There's this, you know, he, he, he's coming, but he's here, and that's where our faith is about. It announces the king. Faith blows our trumpets of announcing our dependence on God's power, on God's presence. We say to ourselves as a reminder, our help comes from him alone. Summon the courage to me and to the world around me and to my family that he's coming, that only he can do this. Take heart, he's going to show up. He's here now, but he's coming again. This is what we'd say. This is the trumpet that we blow. Do we live our lives blowing these trumpets, announcing the coming of God? God's coming into this situation. Is that how we speak courage to one another, hope to our world, comfort to those that are suffering? Do we blow the trumpets and we go, He's coming. The king is at hand. Hallelujah. The trumpet is all the way through the, the, the Old Testament and the New Testament. I read every passage that had the word trumpet in it this week, and it's absolutely beautiful. You know the ones about the very end times, right, where Jesus is returning? The trumpet is there. It's the trumpet sound of God, 1 Thessalonians 4. For the Lord himself will call, come down from heaven, and with a loud command, there's a shout, by the way, the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive are left to be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and will be with him forever. There's a trumpet call announcing the coming of the king. First Corinthians 15, sort of a parallel passage. Listen, I tell you a mystery, Paul says. We'll not all sleep, but we will all be changed. 
In a flash in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all change. Sounding the trumpet is a, a metaphor for this reminder that he is here and he is coming and he is coming to rescue us. Only he can do this work. Don't forget. Don't forget that even though we're on lap five and wondering what's going to happen, that he's got this. That's what a trumpet is. It's a constant reminder, he's got this, and it can happen in a second. So as you step into your yeses, what is your trumpet? Where is it that you're proclaiming and announcing to yourself, to your psyche, to your memory, to your heart, to your mind, to your body, to your world around you, to everyone. Where are you announcing and proclaiming that you're not only that you're going the distance, but that he's present and that he's got this and that you are dependent on his power? What does that look like for you to remind yourself, only the Lord can do this, I'm waiting on him? Because we just slip into fixing it. The pragmatist and the pessimist and the spoiled child just go other ways. But how do we proclaim the, the priests all the way through every day on this crazy circles they were doing? The priests were blowing the trumpet, blowing the trumpet, blowing the trumpet, blowing the trumpet. Everybody's like, have you, by the way, I've thought about bringing a ram's horn in here because I think Doug has one. Have you heard them? They're so terribly obnoxious. <laughs> they had a week of that. No battle, no success, no solution, no idea, but because they knew from Exodus 13, they knew from way back in their history when the trumpet sounded, we remember our king is here. Amen. What's your trumpet? What are the things in your life where the trumpet sounds and it reminds you that he's got this and that he is present and that he's coming to rescue you? Is it, just, is it a daily time with him? Is, this is why we do these rituals and these disciplines, friend, because they're, friends, because they're trumpets in our life that keep announcing to us, right? All right. Oh, he's my savior. He's good. What are the habits that you build into your life? What are the tricks that you build into your life? What are the fun things that you have in your life that announce to you he's coming? He's present. Just getting up and reading your Bible every day is one. I have this little thing I've been saying lately. It's one little silly little trumpet. It's like, I'll say this. I, you know what? I heard Gigi in our church say it one time, and I'm like, that's it. She said, oh, and isn't this just like our sweet savior? She thought she saw something, and she identified it as, and isn't that like our sweet Savior? And I've been thinking all day, for weeks now, I'll come across something, and I'll be like, isn't that just like our Savior? To, to be like this, to act like this, to come through like this, to be in somebody's story. What is it? My wife and I have date night. My wife and I get away. You guys probably are always like, what? Are they really? They like flew somewhere? You know what? We got miles and we got home swapping. And you know what? We go crazy places. Do you know why? Because it's a trumpet announcing that my yes to have this marriage be a witness to the world and to my children and to survive and to be strong even after the enemy wants to attack us and to break the, the pattern. Don't, don't, you don't have to clap. Thank you. You don't have to clap for me. But we go away and we look at each other. It's the reminder he's got us. You think there's obstacles in marriage? the king is coming. What is it that you put in your life that are the trumpets? They herald this reality. Is it a tattoo? You, let's get a tattoo. Let's all get tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> we went to Austin last two weeks ago to visit our daughter. My wife's like, I think me and Brooke are going to get tattoos while I'm there. And I'm like, all right. 
what's it going to be? She's like, I don't know. I'm thinking this. I'm like, then no, you can't. I don't know before you get a tattoo. <laughs> no, I don't knows. You have to be certain. What are the trumpets that we blow that remind us habits, rituals, disciplines? What's your trumpet on your yes? What's your trumpet to remind you that the king is coming? My friend, I have a real, almost a lifelong friend whose yes was to step in with power and integrity and hopefully rescue his marriage because the walls were too big. And when he was on the seventh lap, of the seventh day, no hope in sight. He was out on a run, and the Spirit of God knocked him to the ground. And Jesus Jesus said to him, you get up, and you love her like I have loved you. Every morning since then, and God is rescuing them, friends, the walls have collapsed. And every morning since then, he gets up on his run and he returns to that spot. It is beyond holy ground. He will not forget. He will remind himself every day that our king is going to rescue us. As we step out, as we step out into our yeses, faith will have to go the whole distance. Man, do we have a church that's going to go seven laps and not give up. We have a, we're going to step out into our faith. Faith is going to blow the trumpet, reminding us of God's, of our dependence on God's powerful presence. And last, and I'll just be brief about this, faith is going to cry out. As we step out into our yeses, faith will cry out. This is a super interesting part, you guys. Sorry about the snot. Uh, it was our worship leader this morning got me all going. Um, it, faith cries out. The interesting thing about the story is they did the crazy march around they had the crazy trumpet thing going on. And what happens at the very end? Do you remember? After the, on the seventh day, a seventh lap of the seventh day, they blow a long, final, obnoxious blast with the trumpets. And then they're to give what? A loud shout. Have you ever wondered what it is they shouted? Because the shout was the final piece in God showing up in miraculously powerful ways. The scriptures are clear the way that they say it. They had this crazy rigmarole happen, then the trump and the trumpets, and then the long trumpet, and then the shout, and then the walls fell. What was their shout about? It had to have been, friends, based on our experience, based on what we know of Scripture, it had to have been that on the seventh lap of the seventh day, after all this craziness, there comes a time when we shout, when we cry out for him, both in dependence and in worship. We cry out to him. They had to have been at the end of their rope when they finally then proclaimed what was truest in their hearts about their understanding of them and God. 
and they proclaimed it and they stood by it and they said, this is what is true. This is who I am. This is what life is about. And they cried out to God. It's a clear realization of our absolute need for God. And that shouting, that proclaiming, that this settles it-ness might be the key for you, the final key in seeing the walls come down and the obstacles to your yeses. That you proclaim, he is my king. I'm all in. And I'm desperate for you, God. That's it. That's who I am. That's how I live. Have you made that proclamation, that cry, that shout? We cry out in this desperation and we cry out in worship in anticipation of that because we know that even though the king is just about to come through, in fact, he's present. He has come through. His kingdom is coming. We know that about the character of God. And I'll finish with this. I want you to see this. We know all this. We know that that was probably the cry because the very last trumpet in the Bible is in the book of Revelation and it's the seventh trumpet of the seventh angel. This is a big, cool section of the book of Revelation where the angels are blowing these trumpets and announcing the coming of the kingdom in its fullness. Okay? And on the seventh trumpet, the seventh angel, Revelation eleven fifteen. the seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were shouts in heaven. There was this loud voice in heaven. The shouts came, the trumpet, then the shouts. Remind you of anything? The trumpet and then the shouts. And this is what they said. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord. Wait, don't miss that. Where we live and where we breathe and where we suffer and where we find our obstacles and where we find our doubt. and Our, the, our kingdom of this world has now become the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. And when they heard this, the 24 elders, the, the creatures that were, that were representative of the, of the disciples and the Old Testament saints in heaven, they were seated on their thrones. When they heard this, they fell down on their faces and they worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power. And what? You have begun to reign. You are the Lord of my life. That's the shout. You are the Lord. This is where I stand. This is what I depend on. You have your yes in mind and your walls and obstacles. Do we have a church that'll go seven laps? And on the last day, we'll go seven times. Do you have trumpets, rituals, announcements, reminders of your dependence on God? And have you, my friends, declared and proclaimed, shouted that he is your king and he has begun to reign? And the kingdom, his kingdom in heaven, has come to be your kingdom here. That you'll be submissive to the Lord Jesus Christ. Settle 
the issue because that may be the last straw in the walls crashing down. Stand and let me give you this blessing as I set you guys free. Stepping into faith, or stepping into our yes takes faith. It takes trusting God. May you friends go from here, wherever you are, and are you in lap one? Two, three. Go from here in faith that you'll go the whole distance. Go from him and blow, go from here and blow the trumpet, proclaiming your dependence on God. And go from here with a shout, with an acclamation, with a confession that he is your Lord. That's who you are. That's what it is. That's what you're going to be about. And may God do miraculous, crazy, ridiculous, wall-crumbling miracles in your life. Come, Jesus, and have your way in our world through us, your servants, in the name of Christ. Amen.